Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. G, 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 take me away. Welcome to the Gary Hour. We are back. I'm your host, Gary Levitt. And uh, we're back with a little theme. I'm going to talk to the next bunch of guests, the next few episodes, about their formative experiences. Something that happened in their life that was like a pivot point and changed the way they approach their lives or conduct themselves in their lives. And I figured there's got to be an interesting story in there. If it was enough to do that, I think we've all got one, if you think about it. So uh, this week, we've got New York comedian Courtney Fearington. He's going to tell a wild story of joining the military, getting out of the military, getting wrapped up in guns and violence. And I won't give it all away, but it's a good story. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. You got, you got like a you got like a rock band that you have in the living room? You yeah, pretty you? much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They'll be coming in uh, intermission time. We'll have the rock band come. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sound check. <laughs> so uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. And uh, I was doing a little research. You went to four different high schools. <sighs> yeah, four and, different. And not because you got into a lot of trouble. No. But because your mom was in the Navy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And your dad was not in the military? My Okay, so my biological father is in the military, was in the military, mm-hmm. and my mom got remarried when I was uh, young, and my stepdad, who raised me, was not in the military. Okay, but your mom being in the Navy had to move around. Yeah, so uh, different places. Like, every four years, you got you to gotta move, but, like, she's trying to find where she wants to retire, and the family's in tow the whole time, so we moved around a lot. So she wasn't away in a submarine? Oh, she did time on ships. She went to a lot of ships. So, so like the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower, which I think might be still in commission. A couple of the ships, USS Sierra, which isn't in a commission anymore. So she went to war. She went, She was on ship. Would, uh, would you be with her in the sub? No. No, no, no. Okay. You'd no, be you, home. Yeah, you'd take a tour, and that's where my, my stepdad came in. We just hung out, me and him, a lot. Mm-hmm. Did you like him? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing. It's a thing of a... Uh, it you uh, it's almost just like my mom was the linchpin uh to keep the conversation rolling to keep mm-hmm. things rolling and then once she's gone it's just two dudes right just two like me being a young teenager and then my dad being a like a grown man and he's just like i don't have anything to say to you and i'm like i don't have anything to say to you your only child yeah yeah no i have an older sister but she wasn't she didn't live at home so it was just it was just me and him Mm -hmm. so it was just like uh it starts off well we love each other it's fine but then by the end of the day we're just like 
hey man don't talk to me and i won't talk to you it's like i married your mother not you you know it's it's a thing it's uh it's kind of like uh like when two guys live together Mm -hmm. like two grown men like are as roommates and it's just like by the end of the day it's just like i'm gonna be in the kitchen silently making hot dogs while you're just in the living room watching espn was he not the most open person no it's it's you it's that generation of dads where it's like i've seen stuff like i've experienced things that are terrible he's he's just walking around in a state of trauma yeah and and there's just like there's no way to release that everyone has to be over uh like uh like over masculine so it's just like i I don't cry i don't hug i I don't do emotions in general yeah exactly so it's just like straightforward we talk to each other like business associates was he trying to even like be the father role and to raise you and guide you i mean yeah no he was a he was a great dad but it was more of a it was more of uh i would say less of less of like a like a dad in the sense of like tv dads mm-hmm. and more like um the dad in the sense of you are my sensei like we are learning martial arts ah. so it's like a like a very strict very tough very walking around with your arms behind your back like no do it again get up stop crying do it again like one of those a lot of discipline yeah uh not really it's not it wasn't really discipline it was just like long lectures of life lessons (laughs) well that sounds pretty paternal yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah very fatherly like yeah so it's just like i'm not gonna get mad but prepare yourself for like a four-hour lecture on this is why we shouldn't and this is what we should do Mm -hmm. some of that is good i feel like the style is changing with fatherhood where they're trying to relate more Rather than just tell you and like tell you, shut up and listen. Yeah. Now it's like, all right, I'm going to try to relate and like understand where the kid's coming from. Yeah. It's, and I, and I, I I love him. He, uh, he passed away in 2004, early Mm. 2004. Uh, love the guy to death. He's, he, he was amazing. And I, you, it's one of those things that you don't realize the life lessons that you're receiving until life starts happening. Mm. And then you already have the answers for it. And you're just like, oh man that's crazy he was trying to show me and as just your teenage brain is just going stop talking right you're talking a lot and i don't get it yeah i don't like it this isn't fun yeah because it's not even your age like well it is your age and your lack of experience but it's also the brain is not mature yet right it's like a muscle that's still immature and then it finally has to mature and then maybe you are getting them later in life it's it's a thing it's just like someone trying to tell you as a kid you're just like i see day to day Mm -hmm. my life is day to day and then here's this adult telling you, this is going to happen eventually. And you're like, I don't live my life eventually. Right. I live it today and day in and day out. There's no planning for the future. Yeah, because everything is so in- incredibly new. Right. I was thinking about this recently, like uh, how religion is introduced to kids so early on. Uh-huh. And like, how can they even fathom the concept of God when they're just learning how to use the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. they're they're just learning about themselves and like who they are and right. in relation to the rest of the world. This concept of God just must be totally beyond their brain's comprehension. That's, and that's that. that I, I mean, I was raised semi-religious, but that's that scare tactic where you're just like, it, it's this it's this superhero mm. in charge of everything who knows and sees all. Right. <sighs> that's it's terrifying. Yeah. Okay. And then you're, yeah, I, I, you're like, I believe now because I, I don't want anything bad to happen to me. Right. But that's really scary because you think God's watching you all the time and you're like just discovering your dicky. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's ex- exactly. It makes you experience life different. I bet. Yeah. So it's it's tough. So four different high schools and 
then you uh i mean you got into stand-up comedy, yeah. but you decided to join the Marines. That that was that's that's the pivot. That's where my life changed. Yeah, uh, was this right after high school? Uh, I mean, in high school. In high school, I was seven. I graduated um, because of my birthday's early. My birthday's in May. I graduated when I was seventeen, still. Okay. Um, and everyone was like, I just turned seventeen, and uh, no, I was about to turn 18 uh and uh i wanted to i I didn't i didn't want to go to college so being spoiled spoiled in what like like materially yeah 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 yeah. um uh just just coddled and spoiled like like at some at some on some plane my parents knew that the things that they were doing to me weren't great as far as moving around and and all of the other factors uh of being a military brat right uh so like they made up for it where it's just like whatever you want when we get to where we're going you can have right uh so i wasn't ready for the world at all but they had money to put you in college uh it would have been more of a of a 50-50 split. Okay. Um, maybe I, I would work or get student loans and then they would cover the rest if they had it. Uh, I started applying to like the University of Maryland. Like I grew up in D.C. proper. Okay. So I applied for the, the University of Maryland, uh, College Park, and a couple of other local schools. Did you uh, know what you wanted to study? I had no idea. I just, I, it was just one of those things. College is the next thing to do, right? You just what you're supposed to do. Yeah. It's the order of operation. My dad dropped out to help his dad uh, my mom didn't go. She joined the military. My sister didn't go. So now, was, when you say your dad, do you mean your stepfather? My stepfather. Okay. My stepfather. Yeah, my biological father graduated from college. Was okay. an officer in the military. We just didn't have the relationship. Uh, once my parents split, when I was very young, he did his thing. I did my thing. Did you have any sort of communication? Uh, I mean, there was there was supposed to be communication, but I mean, uh, at the time, I didn't want it. It was it was a thing. I like I like I made my decision. Uh, we, it was, it was weird, but it was, you know, it's one of those things where it's based off of, uh, your parents. Mm-hmm. So like my mom had a vibe. Yeah. And instead of explaining it away, like, Hey, look, this is my thing, but you should form your own opinion about this guy who is your biological father. Right. It was just like, I took that vibe and went with, he's not a great person. Oh, uh, so she was telling you what a horrible person he was. And- it, it, yeah. So it, it's just like, oh, he's not a great person. And my mom was just like, no, you can do whatever you want to do. And I'm just like, no, nah, but I'm gonna follow your lead because I trust you more. Right. I'm in the house with you. Right. And this guy, my, my stepfather, I mean, like, he's been here since I was five. So he's great. Right. I'm fine with this dad. What do you call you, his son? Yeah. Yeah. I come from a divorced family, too. It's makes things more complicated. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> It's it's like this weird thing. Like, how much do I tell you? How much do I tell them? What, what do we talk about? Yeah. Right. And on their side, too, it's like your stepdad. It's cool that he would introduce you as your son. Yeah. His son. Yeah. That's cool. So we're going to talk about formative experiences. But um, I'm curious just to give a little background to anyone listening that uh, you joined the Marines. Okay. Why? Why? I, I don't know. Did you realize you could have been risking your? What year was it? Two thousand. Oh my God! Right before nine eleven. That, that's that is why this is the formative thing that I wanted to talk about. Okay. So you did you know that you could see combat? Was that in your mind at all? It's it's weird. Because I, I know it's possible because my mom, um, my mom went to uh, Desert Storm and Iraqi Freedom. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, like having a parent who was in a combat zone in a, like a, 
uh, quote unquote wartime situation. She was over in Iraq. Yeah, for both of them. Right. Uh, so it's like, yeah, I knew it was possible, but you don't know what war is really. You see it on TV, and you mm-hmm. you just don't really realize what you're gonna be doing. Right. And I felt tough, you know, not lower middle, lower middle class. So it's just like, I see the streets, but I'm not constantly in the streets. Did that make you feel guilty at all? What? Like being lower middle class or middle class? No. Okay. So it just, it gives you, it gives you more of an edge. Uh, You don't have a complete edge. You're just not like from the streets. Right. But it gave you, it gave, it gave me more of an edge where it's just like, all right, well, shit, if I got to get a gun and go, go to war, let's do it. Did you feel like you were doing it out of a sense of patriot? I mean, growing up in D.C., did you feel connected to <laughs> no, that? No. No. It's I, like, th- this was the thing where, of me being spoiled. I, I, when I didn't get into the college that I wanted to go to, which was University of Maryland College Park, and partly because of transcripts, my grades were fine, mm-hmm. but partly because of transcripts, it looks weird to go to four different schools. Right. It's, it's ter- I'm terrible on paper. But doesn't it say that you're a child, you're a military brat? I mean, that doesn't, and it doesn't, that doesn't, those things don't connect. So your child, your college transcripts doesn't say what your parents do or your, or your high school transcripts. That's, that's, doesn't seem right because your mom's making a sacrifice for the country. Right. And then you have to suffer for it where you should be rewarded for it. Right. Which in, in turn, they wanted her to suffer. They wanted me to go to a school. They sh- I should have stayed in a school where she was inconvenienced and in taking me or making sure I got there mm-hmm. in one central location throughout no matter where she lived. So when my transcripts had like all of these different schools, sometimes they weren't the best schools. Right. Um, they were just like, no. Which So my mind, I was just going, all right, well, if I can't go to college, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll, I'll probably just go to the military. I'll just go, I'll just go to the military. I'll have them pay for school. This will be fine. The military doesn't seem bad. My dad did it. My, my biological father did it. My mom did it. I got friends who are going to do it. So let's go. Let's go. It was in your world. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was no, like an option. Nobody died that you knew. When? Before? In the military. Now, yes. But before, no. Before, no, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was 2000. Uh-huh. End of, it was like May, June of 2000. That May, I, I, I signed my paperwork when I turned 18. So May 21st, 2000, I left July 30th. <laughs> yeah, I gave myself no time. I was like, if I think about it, I'm not going. Right. And, and, I, and I went. So, okay, why the Marines and not like the Army or Navy? Uh, also a bad decision, a bad decision that turned out to be a good decision. It was a thing where I wanted to go to the Air Force originally. Air Force was, is, I don't, I don't know. I don't still very like like snobby like yep. the air force everybody wants to be in the air force so the air force has the, the the ability to turn people away and just go i you know i don't really like the way your shirt is uh is there a class system in the in the armed forces i mean the air force is that the air force is where the air forces where like the young um people with options go it's just like you're young you have options you're you, you, i mean there, there are attractive people in the Air Force. Wow. So it's just like, yeah, this, the world is mine. Mm-hmm. Plus, I want to be in the military. Right. Where, and then the Army is just like, I want to do a thing and be patriotic. And the Navy, I don't, I mean, my mom was in the Navy. The Navy is just, I want to see the world. I want to be on the ship and I want to see the world. And the Marines are just like, I'm going to fight every day because I'm the elite fighting force of the military. I'm a badass. So is the Marines the most like bloody hands-on? 
Yeah, the Marines are most aggressive on in, in combat in in peacetime. Uh, just the most aggressive in general. And I had family members when I originally wanted to join the Air Force. Uh, talked about maybe talking to the Marines, and the Marine recruiter came in. He approached me, and I was like, "I might join the Marines." And they were just like, "You couldn't do that. You, you're not going to make it." Yeah. And I was like, "Wow, way to be so supportive, family. Thank, thanks for having my back." And then from there, I was just like, "I'm going to do it." Why they didn't think you were tough enough? I don't. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. just like, "You wouldn't make it." And I was just like, "I, I, 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 I see you talking that I won't make it, and I double down and I'll join the Marine Corps." Wow. And they, I did. They thought you wouldn't make it through the training and the discipline? I guess the whole thing, yeah. The whole they just they just saw me as this spoiled wild kid and they were just like, You're not gonna make it. Did anybody in your family try and talk you out of it? No. What and so they were neutral or supportive of it, but doubtful. <laughs> doubtful that I'd make it doubtful that I'd sign up and actually do it. Mm-hmm. And then I committed to it. And right. then it was just like silence. Where it's just like Oh, this this could be bad. <laughs> this can be this could be bad. We don't want to say. Oh, I, good luck. I mean, you're 18 years old, so you're not like thinking exceptionally clearly, right? So, were you hoping to see combat? No. Okay, you knew that much that it was possible, right? Yeah. So, I, I, when I went into the office, I was just like, "Can I get a job that doesn't require me to be the first person shooting? Mm-hmm. If I got to shoot, I'll shoot. But can I just not be the first person?" And he's just like, all right, so you don't want to be like a grunt, which is like an 0311. It's like a, it's like an infantryman. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, no, I know enough about combat where those guys are the most expendable. Right. So, and he's just like, all right, well, second in line, they, they say this in like, in a combat situation, uh, after the people who are frontline, it's the cooks and the medical and the supply guys who go next. Now, is this related, is this related in your mind to bravery? Is it like more brave to be a grunt? It, 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 it's definitely, it, it takes a lot. It, it takes a lot to sign up. Like when they say, give up, give it up for your troops. Like it takes a lot to know that if anything happens, you are our first line of defense. Was that happening in your 18 year old brain? No, 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 no. Right. My in my mind was just like, man, I'm gonna see the world. I'm gonna start getting a steady paycheck mm-hmm. uh, that's been bigger than any paycheck that I've ever received before. I'm gonna get out of the house. They're gonna pay for college. This is gonna be great. How long was it supposed to be for? Uh, I, just indefinite. I was just like, I'll go until I don't want to be do it anymore. I signed an eight year contract. Do you have to serve the full eight years? Yeah. Oh man, that's a long time. Unless you get kicked out, yeah, you have to. Did you finish the full uh-huh. eight years? Uh-huh. Oh wow. Okay, so. Stand-up comedy hit you at some point during that or Four, after? Uh, stand-up comedy hit me at like 15, 14, 15. I would say when when Evening at the Improv was on its way out and it just like sprung all of these other like uh, uptown comedy that used to come on. Uh, stand-up or Showtime at Apollo had comedy. And Def Comedy Jam started. I remember watching the very first episode. Right. So you saw this on television as a 14, 15 year old. Yeah. And you're like, I want to do that. Yeah. Why didn't you just do that instead of joining the Marines? Uh, black families, entertainment is not an option. It's not an option. Huh? It, they, it's not It's not like a real, it's not like a real thing that is, is like, I can say I want to be a comic and my mom's like, I'm going to help you be a comic. Not practical enough? No. It's just right. like, well, all right, well, you're going to get a job or do something and then you can do these things on the side. So I was like, I want to make people laugh. My mom was just like, okay, I'm not going to, we're not going to talk about how you do that. Was there nobody 
there was people before that to kind of set the stage for that. I mean, Chris Rock was already well known. Mm-hmm. He started early. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Chappelle was already. Uh, Chappelle was uh, well. Prior. Chappelle. Funny thing was Chappelle was like burning up the D.C. area, mm. uh, like around that time. I, but you don't know how to start comedy. Like you don't know to just go to an open mic at that age. Right. So it took my parents to do that, and they weren't. They didn't know, so they didn't do it either. So like when Chappelle's mom was taking him to open mics. He had someone in his house to actually point him in that direction and follow what it what what information he found out about comedy. But you didn't know this until later. No, I didn't know this until I was uh, in my early twenties. So his his mom was very supportive of him, huh? Right, right. Yeah. See, isn't it amazing how one person can make a huge difference in your life? Yeah. And then and with, with Rock, he can just come around the corner. Like he was in like the, the mega center of comedy. Uh huh. So it was just like, all right, you take the train to right. Times Square and you just go to Caroline's. I don't need a parent to do that. I know. But wasn't he like 16 doing it? Yeah. How did he know? You uh, Just a friend. A friend goes, I saw a thing. You, right. You have an older, an older brother or somebody who went and saw a show. Yeah. Went to an open mic and then you just follow that lead. It's just one person. Yep. And that's all it takes. Just one freaking. I know. Because in, in high school and junior high school, I was very funny. Like I was class clown kind of person. Yeah. And I even had stand up comedy tapes. And no one ever said, hey, you're funny. You should try stand-up comedy. Yeah. And if someone did, it would have changed my whole life. <laughs> it just took somebody's older brother going to a show and coming back and going, hey, man, you should go do. You should go to this place down the street. Right. It's, yeah. No one said that to me until like many years later. I had to figure it out myself. Me too. No, I get it. Yeah. It took nerve, too. Like It's crazy that I would join the Marines, but I would be scared to get on stage. Yeah, well, that's interesting because people are supposedly more scared of public speaking than death itself. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not a freak in that sense. No. That's like right along the lines of human weirdness. Yeah. Okay, so let's... Uh, all right, we gave a little background. I'm excited to hear about your formative experience. And I, I might interrupt you and ask questions. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's uh, it's July uh, July 30th, 2000. Um, I joined the military not knowing what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was a Marine, but because we didn't have a re- my biological father, mm-hmm. but because we didn't have a relationship, there was no asking him about what the Marines are, what the Marines do, what to expect. Uh, because I didn't have any Marines around me, it's just like Navy, Army, Air Force. There was no one I can ask and talk to. So I went into it completely blind, which was insane. Yeah. Because it is the longest, hardest boot camp of all the services. Is that a move of rebellion, not going into anything? That you- of course. Okay. Of course. It's, it's just me. It's just me being a, a dumb teenager. And, and you know, I, I got this. I'll do it. Because you could have joined the Navy and mm-hmm. bonded with your mother over that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I got this. But because it's such a, like, a noble thing and such a, like an honorable thing, like a hard thing, Everyone around me was just like, all right, well, do it then. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to talk you out of this. Do it. It's almost like they're trying to call your bluff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like we're playing chicken. We're playing. Right. So uh, I remember a van. Um, my mom retired to a house. She retired. And we're living in this house in Maryland. And a van that morning came to pick me up. And I went with one, two, three, four four guys that I went to high school with and they really wanted to do it. Like this is something that they had planned for. So was this something that influenced you to do it as well? No, I had no idea until 
like later on that we were all going at the same time. Oh, wow. Was, were you the only one of your friends doing this? Yeah. Right. So it, we bonded because it was just like one guy who I hung out with was going. Right. And then uh, two other guys that he had knew he had known because like they had all been in ROTC. They had all been prepping themselves all throughout high school. They had known each other since elementary school. I hope I figure this out by the time this podcast is done, but I don't know if at this time in your life you're either crazy or really brave. <laughs> crazy. crazy. I'm definitely not brave. <laughs> I'm definitely not brave. Not brave. I'm 100% crazy. Really brave to me joining the Marines. Oh, man. So this van comes and picks me up. It, it, my mom and my dad are standing on the porch. My mom's, she's prior service military. She just retired. She's like, I have to be strong for my son. So she's standing on the porch waving like a champion, just like, yeah, go get him, son. Mm-hmm. My dad's just like proud. And then like my mom told me later on, like she went in the house and she's like, she broke down. She's like, wow, I just sent my baby into the Marine Corps. Into, yeah. into possible combat situations that I 100% know are possible. Now, is there a sense of patriotism and fighting for freedom and all that stuff, fighting for the, uh, the good side? Never crossed my mind. Not at all. You, you, want, you want that in your troops? You want that when you... Yeah, never crossed my mind. Okay. It was just like, this, this is the thing. This right. is a, it's another job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I go to boot camp, and boot camp is three, month, three and a half months of insanity. It's... It's just mentally hard. It's physically hard. It's uh, it wasn't terrible. Like, would I do it again? I probably would. I don't know. At this point in my life, I probably would. It was very hard because they're getting up early. They're putting you through all these tests. Mm-hmm. It's all the discipline that I wanted and that I needed. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a lot of just you know, push ups, pull ups, running, yelling, combat situations. It was really hard, but you'd do it again. Yeah. At this point in my life, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit crazy now, so <laughs> all that stuff seems fun now. And but hindsight. at the time, you weren't I, like this at, is great. At the time, I went and I was just like, I don't know how long boot camp. This is how dumb I was. I didn't know how long boot camp was. I was just like, how long are we going to be here again? Uh huh. Three months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If if someone would have sat down from the Marine Corps and just talked to me, they would have just been like, oh, this kid's not ready. He doesn't know what he's here for. <laughs> He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know what's going to happen next. Right. So like all my boys who had were, were ROTC was just like, yes, this is the next step. I've, I've, I've looked into this. This is the order that boot camp happens. And I'm just like, I don't know what happens tomorrow. The, every well, day is a surprise. Were you cocky, like overconfident? Like, you, Psh, I got this. It's going to be easy. No, that's the crazy part. I was a shy kid. Okay. I was a shy, chubby kid. Uh-huh. So it was just like, I, look, I can't do pull-ups. And I don't, I, and if, if we got to fight, I'm probably going to cry, but I'll still fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is, that's, that was me at 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's this thing. And uh, I graduated boot camp and I went on to my first duty station and I was the worst Marine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, I, I still didn't have a direction. So I, they gave me a job and I do the bare minimum at the job. And then I would just. You know, spend the money and and party and and be aggressive. Wait, what does it mean to be the worst Marine? Like you couldn't fire straight. You couldn't do the. And see, that's the thing. So the worst Marine, as far as just like um, living up to that Marine Corps standard, there's like a there's like a military standard of like uh, this, this brave, this aggressive, this ready for anything. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, well, I can shoot. 
I never had a problem firing a weapon. Mm -hmm. So I was an expert with a, with a, with two kinds of weapons. What kinds? Uh, just the M16 and then a, a nine mil. Okay. Uh, and then, um, after boot camp, physical activity was never a problem again. So it's just like, I can run and do pull-ups and do all of those things just as well as anyone else, if not better. Uh, I'm not like a, a dumb kid. So like figuring things out w w was easy. But then it was just like, there is a way of like socially climbing throughout the military to, to gain rank, to do things and to, to achieve more and be the best Marine you possibly can. And I was just like, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. So I kind of don't want to do those things. Mm -hmm. So I just was just like, all right, well, you just settle into going into an office in like in your military attire and making sure other Marines are safe by I, I work supply. Okay, but you knew you were in the Marines for eight years. Yeah. So you're talking about boot camp right now. Mm -hmm. right? Just boot camp. This is right after boot camp. So I, 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 I graduate boot camp in October. I go to, uh, they do, they call it Marine combat training. So boot camp is only three weeks? Three months. Three months. I went in July and got out in October. Okay, all right. That's uh, math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, in October, I went um, home and then back to Marine combat training until January. Marine combat training. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that look like? Oh, it is exactly what it sounds like. Sleeping in the woods, digging holes, firing guns, firing different kind of weapons. Uh, I like targets that are mm -hmm. popping up. Targets, cars, vehicles, grass, throwing grenades. It's just that. And then. Uh, it's just like a simulated war zone? Um, yeah. Uh-huh. With real guns. Uh-huh. Real I mean, You're live firing the whole time. Wow. Live grenades, live guns, all wow. of that. Uh, and then you, um, you learn like different kind of Marine combat skills, like land nav and all that other shit. Like what? Like land nav, like, land like, like reading a map and, and navigating uh, a bunch of different places. Is it for certain terrain? Like were you, uh, were you training for the desert in particular? No, no, this is 2000. So it's just like, oh, we're still doing, we're, we're still doing woods and, and, right. and like Vietnam style. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, like like forests and 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 trees and bogs and rivers and shit. You're training for everything except the desert. A hundred percent. Wow. Uh, I get to my first duty station, and then nine eleven happens. Mm -hmm. Right when I get there. Mm -hmm. So that's when it was just like, oh shit, I gotta be a real. So, uh, boot camp, I'm fine. All right, wait. So everyone remembers where they were on 9 11 mm -hmm. and what they were doing and mm -hmm. who they were with when they saw the TV. Mm -hmm. So you were in the military with what do you call your, your military? Just like a unit. I was in a unit on a base. Okay, so you and you saw it on TV. Yeah. This was happening. Right. The day before, the day after, the, earlier that day, because Japan is like 12 hours ahead. You were in Japan? Uh huh. Okay. Uh huh. So I get to Japan. Uh, my first duty station and I'm in, I'm with, I'm with the people who go first. Mm -hmm. That's, that's my unit. My unit is if something happens, we all leave. So when you, when you saw the planes at the towers, did everyone and you know it's on, like we're going to be deployed and sent to war? Instantly. You did? Instantly. Did your, uh, what do you call your superiors, your gen generals? <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about the military. Oh, okay. So let me, let me paint, let me paint, let me paint the picture. Yeah. I'm at my duty station. So this was, this was to say, 
I was originally supposed to be with the people, the first responders, technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there was a need for my job on another part of Japan, and they sent me away to a very nicer part, a less needed part. And I worked a part-time job. So I was at my part-time job. Part Affiliated with the military? No, it was just a side. I had a side job. Was I was like working out of Whole Foods in Japan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> they had like a nightclub, and I worked. I worked at the nightclub. Cool. So I'm wrapping up. Uh, I'm talking, and everyone's military. So I'm talking to like the the staff sergeant who is a higher than I am, uh, who is the manager of this enlisted military club, mm-hmm. and he's counting my register. And we're in his office, and we look at the TV, and the first plane goes in, and we're quiet. And we're just like that. That's a, that's a plane crash. That's super, super terrible. Mm-hmm. And as he's counting my register, he stops and we're watching the TV. Then the second plane goes in and then it registers. Not a fluke accident. Exactly. Yeah. Then it registers. So then he stops counting the register. He, we leave his office and we go out to the bar. All Marines bar is a hundred percent silent. Wow. No one's saying anything. So we're all crowded around the TV. It, if it was nine o'clock here, it was midnight, one okay. in the morning. So we're all 100% silent. And then the first building, Tower, Tower One falls. Mm-hmm. And as soon as Tower One falls, I, every, like, my heart drops because now I'm just like, this is the, this is the realest moment. This is what people who join the military, uh, they, this is, this is, this is it. This is, this is combat. This is war. Then a siren goes off on base. Wow. And when that siren goes off on base, it's just like everyone gets in the armory, grab your, your gear, grab your weapon, your actual weapon, because it's go time just that fast. Wow. And I was just like, what? So it's a mad scramble. So in the middle of the night, this alarm's blaring on base. It's pitch black. Everyone's running to their rooms. Everyone's grabbing gear, flak jackets, uh, their 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 helmets, their 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 magazine pouches, grabbing everything. And then you go to the armory and you're in line and you get your weapon and then you go and you get a briefing. And because Japan's a hub and it's supposed to be like a watch point and an easier point for us to get to places like that, mm-hmm. they're just like, all right, well we have to be on guard. Uh, because just as easy it is for us to go there, it's just as easy for them to hide here in Japan, in Tokyo, and be lost. Right. So it's just like, we're on guard now, and then some of us are going to war. Were you on guard also thinking that maybe your base will also be attacked? No. No. There's a, there's an arrogance that comes to being a Marine where you're just like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna kick the beehive. I, right. dare, I dare you to kick the beehive. Right, right. You, you, you attack innocent civilians because you're a coward. Kick the beehive. Watch what happens. So when that siren went off and you're getting your jacket and you're getting ready, were you filled with fear, excitement, rage? Like what kind of feelings go? Th- it's pure adrenaline. It's, mm-hmm. it's not even, it's not, it's, it's, it's fear. It's anger. It's, it's confusion. It is aggression. It's a bunch. It's like this. It's, it's just like this, this weird mixture of, if you ask me to do anything right now, I probably do it. Right. So we're standing there and it's just like, whatever you, whatever you need, I'll do it. Right. Cause you just, I think a lot of people have that feeling when they watch the planes hit the tower and realize we're under attack. It's like, 
confusion. What do I do? I want to do something. Mm-hmm. So if if a if if like a plane was leaving and they're just like we're all going to Iraq or Iran or uh, Afghanistan right now. Mm-hmm. In that moment, I'm like, yeah, what, whatever. What, what's what's leaving next? I'm on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once that passes, once that's like leaves, now my brain's going. Holy shit! Yeah, you signed up to pay for college. You're here because of a dare with your family. (laughs) War isn't an option. It's going to happen. Right. You're going to be involved. What do you do? And this is when I found this is like, this is my moment. This is when I found out who I was. Because in my heart, I'm just like, if you need me to go anywhere, Mm -hmm. I'll go. If you need me to do anything, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to volunteer, though. And that was an option. Mm-hmm. So, so you're should, faced with that decision. Yeah. So it's just like, we need this many people. We need people to do this. We need people to go. They need bodies on the ground. Who wants to go? Who's going? It's like, this unit's going. There, there are definitely parts where it's just like, this unit's going. You're all going regardless. But they're also just like, we need different kinds of jobs. Where you're, you're, you're a rifleman first. So you're, you're a train killer first. Mm-hmm. And then you you are your job second, unless your job is to kill, <laughs> pretty much. Right. So my job first was train with a weapon, second supply. So it's just like, do you leave supply? Do you do supply there in a combat zone? And I I wasn't, I'm not I'm not the person. I was just like I I know I'm here, and I will, and I have all of your backs. But I'm not going to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Were there people around you volunteering? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Did you feel that peer pressure? Yes. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you do because you feel like le- you feel you feel less brave. You mm-hmm. feel like less of a person. You feel like this is what you signed up for. But when you watch everyone volunteer around you, you just go, "Am I a coward? Am I? Am I? Am, is there something off where this is my job, but I don't want to volunteer to go to the fight?" Like, I need you to tell me to go. Like, I need you to make me go. Because if you leave it to me, I'm not going to do it. But at this point, we didn't know. It was too early on. We didn't even know who attacked the right. towers. Right. You just knew there was going to be a... You knew there was... I mean, you, you can't... Like, when everyone else was scrambling and calling home and all this other... I was... I was, I was we had... We set up a perimeter immediately around the base. Right. So, it's not like you, you, you watch a terrorist attack. And you get a gun and then you, you set up a perimeter and you go back to normal after that. Right. Like we all knew that this is the, this is the, the thing we are going to war. So, so you're telling me that you feel like you're, uh, you were a coward because you didn't want to volunteer. Oh yeah. That, it, that bothered me for a while mm-hmm. because it was just like, why What is there something wrong with me that I will do it? But I don't want to volunteer. So it's not like it's not like a it's not like it wasn't a thing of I won't go at all. Like I'm going to try to dodge it. or I'm going to try to avoid it or I'm going to get scared and try to like finagle my way out of it. If they would have said we're going, then I would have been fine with it. Are you the type of person that doesn't like to make decisions, but you like when someone makes them for you? And that's the military. 
Uh-huh. That's 100% the military. Right. You just relent to everything and they make decisions. That's it. You, you live my life for me. Tell me where I need to be. Mm-hmm. But if you leave it to me as a 20, in, in 2001, I was 19. Right. I was like, I don't, I'm not making the decision to go to war at 19 if you leave it to me. Right. If you need me to go, I will go. But I'm not going to volunteer. And it bothered me because then um, right after that, that's when like it, it was at its worst. So then you wake up every morning and you check the paper and like they had like a Marine Corps Times mm-hmm. and you wake up every morning and the Marine Corps Times was about as big as uh, as the New York Post mm-hmm. uh, as far as like paper size. So it's it's a little bit less than an actual newspaper and it opens like a book. And on the cover of it was all the servicemen who and servicemen and women who died in combat. Wow. So at a, there was a time when we would wake up and then check that and see who we knew. Wow. And that is, and, it, and there's still people asking, there's still people being told to go. And there's still people going, uh, do you, do, does anyone want to volunteer? Wow. You're after you just read this paper. No, just the whole time. Just the yeah. whole, there's a constant. Does anybody want to, any, any comic strips in this paper? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're <laughs> very aggressive. <laughs> Marine Corps time comics. <laughs> there's not really, right? No, there is. There, there is. Are. There really is. Wow. Yeah. They're really Marine Corps, Marine Corps jokes and Marine Corps cartoons. Mm-hmm. Specifically just for that paper. Yep. Wow. There, so is that a military job? Yeah. Writing those comic strips? Yeah. 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 That sounds like the one I know. <laughs> <laughs> they had a, they had that they had a, a band they had a basketball team they had they had different things wow yeah so when you say you felt like a coward it's like also that is something that we just naturally do as humans we want to stay alive mm-hmm but you you're not trained I, I, i'm not trained like that mm-hmm. you're trained you're trained to to think you're better to think you're invincible that you won't die in, in war in combat that you that you're prepared enough that you are better than anyone you're fighting against, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, it, it, that's a, that's a, that's an amazing strategy. It's a great strategy. That's what they teach you. It's, it's, it's kind of the, the, the vibe that you're given. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you are the elite fighting force. There are all these terms for you. You are the badasses. You're the people that, that people fear. Like if I go to a mic right now and it's just like, I was a, I was a Marine mm-hmm. and it, people are just like, did you kill someone? Did, right. Did, what you, you're, I mean, you can probably snap necks. Yeah, well, you are trained to do that, right? And that's the thing. So it's just like, not snap necks. You're, there's no, there's no like you. You go to, uh, you're standing in the woods, and you're just like, all right, today we're learning how to snap necks. <laughs> we're doing neck breaking one hundred and one. But you learn. I had a friend that in college that had served time in the military, and uh, I will never do this again to anybody. But I saw him coming down the street, and I just thought, thought I'd sneak up behind him. Mm-mm. And I ran, I yelled, his name was Salim, and I go, Salim, and I jumped on his Mm-mm. back, and he just immediately flipped me down, grabbed my uh, arm, and twisted it behind mm-hmm. my back. Mm-hmm. They teach you that. They, that is one thing. That, that was, that's a move? Yeah, that is a thing. Yeah, he just had me down immediately. Or somebody grabs you from behind. Well, um, so it's, 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 it was, it's tough. It's, it's very tough. So you're, you, you're taught, you're taught that you're bad. You're a badass. You're mm-hmm. taught that you're better than everybody. You're taught that you are, you could, you could beat anyone. You could chew nails and spit fire. So there's a conflict there because it's telling you you're the best. And then you're just like, I don't want to volunteer for this. Yeah. Because in real life, I'm still that, that, that shy chubby kid in my heart and in my head where I'm just like, I didn't even know I wanted to be here a year ago. Right. 
And it's kind of a big concept to think of for a 19 year old, but like your purpose in life, like maybe you have a different purpose than fighting mm -hmm. some foreigner with a gun. Mm -hmm. And maybe your purpose is to be on stage and make people think and laugh. Mm -hmm. And I had at that point at 19, I had never been on stage before. Right. Did you have any concept of like, hmm, is that my purpose? Is that what I'm supposed to be still doing? lost? 19 still lost. 20 what? still lost. Mm hmm. I don't think I found myself until 21, mid twenties, mid, mid 21, almost 22. So you, you didn't know what you wanted to do, mm -mm. but you knew what you didn't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, guys, I'll do anything. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I want to do that. I don't want to do that. Did you, uh, end up getting deployed? No. Um, uh, and it's weird to talk about because Everyone has, you lose people in combat, you lose people to, uh, to PTSD and what happens during combat and that stress. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then when people ask, it's like, did you serve overseas? And there's this thing that happens inside you where you're just like, no, and you have to tell them no. So now you feel like lesser of a service person. Like you're, you feel like lesser of a of a of a of a military person right because you were in but you didn't do it right and you knew people that did right, right. so like when 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 so it's like when people ask him like no nah, i didn't and you can't say i was lucky why it just feels it feels almost like a slap in the face to people who've lost their lives right so it's just like were they unlucky no, did they, did they, some of them like they, that's what they wanted to do. That's, that's the whole part of the military. That's like the, it's the, 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 the throes of war. That's what happens. Were a lot of people in your squad doing it for a sense of purpose, a sense of like oh, fighting yeah. for a country? Yeah, 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 yeah. And did, it didn't sound like you had that. I, oh. I mean, I didn't know, I, I didn't know any enough about the military going in that branch of the military. Mm -hmm. I didn't have, I didn't have it in my heart enough to go this is what I want to do. So when war, my four friends all joined to go to war. If war happened, they wanted to go. And all four of them went immediately. And they wanted to fight for the United States. Yep. Right. Yep. I mean, this is something, this is, I don't mean to compare this at all, but this is something that I think about when I go out to do a show. I'm like, all right, why am I getting on stage? Mm -hmm. You know, am I getting on stage so I feel good about myself to make people laugh? And like... The better part of me is like, I'm going on stage to make people enjoy themselves and to think and grow, hopefully, from my comedy. Right. It's not for me. Right. I'm doing it in like a sense of service. And that helps me. Right. Have a better show and like be aligned with what I really want to get out of it. Right. So without that sort of philosophy behind it, hell no, you're not going to volunteer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, so I was in situations where we were in training installations. So the first base I went to, we were uh, part of an artillery training unit where people would come and they would shoot heavy artillery, uh, warming up weapons, making sure weapons worked, training you and using the weapons. And then you would go into a combat zone or you would go back to somewhere where you were ready to go into a combat zone. So mm -hmm. we were a hub. We were we were a landing point. So it's just like war happens. So we constantly had a group of people coming through, firing weapons, getting things ready, fixing whatever needed to be fixed. It was like a tuning up station. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the second duty station I went to 
was Marine Security Guard Battalion, which we train people to go to all the embassies and consulates around the world. And have you seen Born Identity? Yeah. In Born Identity, like there's a scene where Matt Damon in the first one, he fights Marines in an embassy. And that's that was our job wasn't to fight Matt Damon, but it's, it's <laughs> too uh, bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and they were actually Marines that fought Matt Damon in that movie. But we we train people to go to those embassies and consulates all over the world and secure them. So, how many different countries have, did you visit? In just two. Just I went to to South Korea and Japan, and then back to the United States. Mm -hmm. How long did you spend in South Korea? Uh, days. It wasn't okay. even yeah. It wasn't even a long time. Just, how about Japan? Uh, almost a little over a year. Okay. So you feel like you got a sense of their culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So it was great. I was in Japan for a while up until 9-11. And hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f***? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Then it got weird. Uh, security went up, so you can't really enjoy. Like we were in Tokyo, we were two hours from Tokyo, mm -hmm. so like you couldn't really enjoy the world that you lived in as much security went up for us military yeah right yeah uh i mean there was all of these 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 like news things that came in that were just like once they found out who was responsible it was like the taliban has has dispersed mm -hmm. and like some other people are coming to tokyo they're going to different places some of the taliban are coming to tokyo it's just places where you can i guess lay low or right disappear and a sea of people mm -hmm. so they were just like and it's just like if that's if this is true our our threat con's going up because we have to be ready right uh and if they're like if they're attacking mass populations of people there's a lot of people in japan yeah so it's just like we don't know what's going to happen next we don't know what they're going to do we don't know if they're hiding we don't know if they're here we just got a report that said they were so now our security is going up at least they'll stand out Right, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Well, th this is the thing about Japan. Every it's everyone wants to be there, so it looks like a melting pot, even though a majority of people are Japanese. Mm -hmm. Do you have a lot of buddies that uh, did see combat? Yeah, actually, um, for um, for Veterans Day, I went to. I've seen a friend who I haven't seen in a while. I went to his wedding, uh, and his name is Hanau. His last name is Hanau. Uh, my last name is Farrington, and we work together we live together and our names are alphabetically one after the other right and he got a letter that was just like we are reactivating you you're coming to combat recently uh this was right after we got out okay wow so he called me immediately and was just like i got one i know you got one and i was just like i didn't and he's like what and he, I'm just like, yeah, we, and we just talked about it last week because he was like, I don't know how you didn't get a letter. And I'm like, bro, I don't know either. But he went to combat after and I didn't I didn't have to go again. I missed it three times. Do you think do they always do it alphabetical or do they just know that 
I don't think they do it alphabetical, but we just thought in that instance that like the guy he ended up going with, his last name was Ernest. Mm. So EFG. Right. I, I look, I don't I don't know how it, that happened, but three duty stations, eight years, never once did someone go. You have to go. Maybe the, I'm sure they have a military file on you. I'm sure maybe there's notes in there being like, this is guys. This guy's soft. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, don't, no, don't send him. He's a liability. Not, I don't know. Uh, on paper, I was fine. On paper, I, if but this and this is the thing, this is the, this was the thing that I struggle with uh, because I was not bad at doing the things that I would need to do in war. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the hand-to-hand combat training wasn't a problem. Shooting a gun and running and doing pull-ups and being physically fit wasn't a problem. The problem was getting over that mental hurdle of what fight and shoot, mm-hmm. kill another person, yeah, or like severely injure them and then grab their body and bring them back to the base as a. Mm-hmm. One of my friends, uh, up until recently, oh, a lot of my friends, but one of my friends that I actually went with who saw a lot of combat, uh, dealt with PTSD so badly in our early 20s when we both left active duty, mm-hmm. and we didn't know what to call it or what it was. Right. So it was just like him, like fits of rage, where, I mean, these are the crazy things that I think that I had to do where I'm just like, I should have just gone to combat. Like, there was times when he would be in a situation that he shouldn't have been in, and we were in a neighborhood that we shouldn't have been in, and he called me like one time and he's just like, yeah, I was hanging out at this place with these guys. And on my way back to the car, some guys robbed me. They pulled out a shotgun on me. Can you come get me? And I'm like, yeah, I'll come get you. But like being prior service Marines him being uh, combat trained and having seen combat, he's angry out of his mind. Right. And he's just like, you don't rob me and just go. Mm hmm. So this isn't come get me and let's go. This is a come get me. We're going to get some revenge. We have something we got. So uh, there is, there is, there is, how old was I? 20, 20 years old, 21. Mm-hmm. There's just young me out, out in 22. Cause I was out of the Marine Corps by this time. So there's, there's, there's young me who avoided combat and not like avoided it on purpose, but just never went who is now, leaving his house to go get into maybe a gunfight with strangers because of my friend. Yeah. Uh, And part of it is me making up for a lack of bravery. I feel like, like I was extra tough when I got out of the Marine Corps. Right. And I think it was just like me making up for not being as tough as I felt like I should have been at a younger age. From what I've seen in the interviews and things, when uh, service people have friends that have died, they just want to go back and serve. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like the worst thing is just like being in a supermarket. I, I forget who it was, but I saw him interviewed, and it's like in a supermarket, there's all these boxes of cereal. Yeah, it's like I don't care about yeah. the cereal. I want to be back fighting in some foreign country, shooting at the enemy. And, and and this is where this is where it was not as bad for me as it was for him. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at it like I haven't seen this person in a while, and now I find out that they've passed away, mm-hmm. and it's terrible. But for him being in the front lines, it's just like I saw this person yesterday. 
Mm. We just left at the same time. We went in opposite directions. But when we got back to base, they didn't come back. So now it's just like he he handles he handles death and life completely differently than anyone else. Mm -hmm. How so? Uh, Where someone dies of natural causes, it's sad and it's time for a celebration. Right. Uh, If someone is like, like it's like it's now it's like street mentality almost where it's just like someone dies because they were killed. There's anger. There's frustration. There's rage. There's because there's an injustice about it. Exactly. Right. So now it's just like I I want I go, I got to act out on these things, mm-hmm. and like you fire these people up and you put them in these situations and then you put them back into the regular world. Yeah. So it that was that was it, and I'm mirroring that now. So like this is this is like a, a change. So like in in four years of active duty, I never went to combat. I saw people go to combat. I saw people not come home. I saw people deal with drug problems. I've, I've, I've gotten friends. I have friends who've overdosed in the military from like opiates and, mm. and pills and all types of crazy shit. And Just it, to deal with the struggle, yeah. the pain. Yeah. And the, is it mostly mental anguish? Yeah. Yeah. And, and people who drank themselves to death. Like I have a friend who, who drank themselves to death. Like you, you choke on your own vomit. You drink so much that you pass out on your back mm-hmm. and you vomit in your sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's just like the, the, the last couple of years of my active duty, I was just like, this is insanity. And then I got out, uh, decided to, to go get a job and use the military experience to get a job. And then that's when I just became this terrible person. What is this terrible person? This terrible person is just like I'm mirroring everyone else around me. Like I got to be this tough guy. Right. And now I'm overcompensating. Now I'm just like, yeah, there's guns in my apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hang out with like these tough dudes. I have this image of you're a Marine during a combat time. But you're in the regular world. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just like you, if something happens, then yeah, of course you want to fight because you, you're, you're already fired up. Do you think there was a part of you that wanted to be uh, in combat and that's why? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So like that, it goes back to the thing of like, if they were asked, if they would have asked me, I would have gone, but I just, I was too, I was too soft, scared, mm-hmm. whatever word there is, just didn't go. I, I, I wasn't going to volunteer. So after you got out of the military, after you got out of the Marines, you were living more of like a, a gangster sort of life. Just, yeah. Just like a tough guy life. Tough guy. Guns in your apartment. Yeah, so, and it's crazy because I worked as a government contractor during the time. Uh-huh. So during the day. I'm business casual or in a tie. And then like all of my friends are just either prior service military who are suffering from PTSD, mm-hmm. current military, or just street dudes that, from around where we live. Mm-hmm. Where were you living at the time? I lived in Woodbridge, Virginia, which is close to Quantico, which it's I, it's the worst place I've ever been. <laughs> it is, it is In what just, the sense, worst. just like hopeless. Um, it is, it's, it's amazing. It's a suburban pocket that mm-hmm. has like very, very hood outskirts, like very street pockets in it. Okay. And it's an amazing place. Uh, if you don't want to leave it and it's just like quicksand and right. it, it was, it was just, it was just terrible. It, I spent some of my worst years of my life there. And it was just because I was trying to be something that I wasn't. Were you getting involved in drugs and like being a, 
uh, wait, a criminal. Uh, and that's and that's the crazy part about it was like no, it wasn't drugs that I was involved in, mm-hmm. but people around me, yes. Were you looking for trouble? No, but if trouble came, there right. was no there was no backing down. Yeah. So we fought people constantly. There was constantly a fight. Like bar fights? Yeah, constantly a fight. Mm-hmm. We'd go to the club and there would constantly be fights. From the, my last years in the Marine Corps until well into, like, the years after. Mm-hmm. So, like, there was a, there's a, one of the dumbest things that I've ever done in my whole entire life. The, the, I think this was probably the peak when I was just like, I gotta not be this person. We get into a fight in my apartment. Mm-hmm. Between each other? It's a group of dudes. Just a group of dudes in my apartment. Yeah. I know some of them. I don't know the other ones. Some of them are military. Some of them aren't. Some of them are just, just regular dudes from the neighborhood. And a fight breaks out. I don't know why the fight's breaking out. I'm drunk. Mm-hmm. Everyone's pretty much drunk. Never a good thing. <laughs> no. Um, they're standing on my couch. And like they like one person's like being choked. And like there's like a brawl. Wow. And I run in and I'm like grabbing two dudes. And I'm just like, yo, break it up, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm pulling on one and like pressing the other one against so I can just like get them away from each other. And like one turns around and hits me and I fall back and I have like a glass living room table mm-hmm. and I just fall through the table. Mm. Just glass shatters everywhere. And my next move is this is out of control and I can't get them out of my house. So. But that sobered you up when you fell through the table. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You, I'm you, not drunk anymore. It's it's one of those. It's like you know how like in the in the in like those 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 like in 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 the Hangover where they do that first person camera yeah. and it's like this wobbly drunk. It's me seeing the fight, me grabbing two people, me seeing the ceiling, and then the pain of falling through a table. Yeah, and then adrenaline and slow mo. Yep. Yeah. And my next move as a as a as a dumb, a big dummy was. There's a there's something I can do to neutralize the situation, and it is grab the gun. Oh no! Yeah, uh, so I go and it used to be in the couch. We keep living with just dudes. Yeah, all military dudes. Yeah, mm-hmm. you keep you, everyone keeps a gun in the couch, right? That's normal. <laughs> That's normal. You're sitting on the couch right now. You want to check? <laughs> <laughs> you keep a gun in the cushion of your of your favorite seat because that's what you do. Uh, we moved it because of the party, you know, being smart. Yeah, <laughs> being smart to the kitchen to the junk drawer. So there's a junk drawer with a, a nine millimeter handgun in it, mm-hmm. or a forty five caliber actually. Is uh, it legal to have it? No, unregistered, just gun in my apartment. Wow, was it? It was yours. No, even worse. <laughs> Do you know whose it was? Yeah, someone, someone yeah. that you lived with. Yeah, yeah. someone I knew. Uh, so, but it was just like I'm keeping it here because you have the place, right? And I'm just like, okay. So, it was go grab the gun. And knowing what I know now, dumb decision. Because mm-hmm. now it's just like you have this thing in your hand, but there are two options neither one of them are good right so you've just escalated the situation way higher than it should have been yeah so i pulled a gun and i'm just like not pointing it but going you everyone get out if you don't live here if you're not my friend get out 
So this is a situation where if someone else had Are you a gun, holding the gun at the ceiling, I'm, I'm holding the gun in my hand. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm, it's not finger straight off the trigger. This is, it's Marine Corps stuff. I know how to use a gun. Right. So it's just not like recklessly waving it. Right. But I'm holding it to let you know that it can go bad if it needs to. Right. And if someone else had a gun, I, w- I don't know what I would have done. And that, that's not the thing that went through my drunk, dumb brain. Mm-hmm. Especially someone, being told for eight, uh, years that you're the elite. Exactly. So I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and the, they start to leave. Everyone starts to like disband. And like one person is like crazier than I expected. And he's just like, yo, if you're going to shoot me, what's up? Shoot me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, that's not what I expected. Mm-hmm. And like everyone's hustled out of the house. And then I put everything away. Me and my friends are sitting there and we're just like, what the fuck happened? Uh, and it slowly started to de-escalate from there. Like the, the days and months and years after that, like that moment sticks with me to this day. And like from every moment after that, I was like, I can't, I, who am I? I can't be this person. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't continue to be this person. We would do dumb things. Like for new year's one time, we put that same gun shooting it off the balcony in a residential neighborhood. We lived in a complex, like a, a, like a nice apartment complex. Yeah. No apartments in my name. And it was just like, happy new year, firing the gun off the balcony. Just in the sky, to the sky. There was like this, uh, behind my apartment was like this, this drainage system. And it was like, not big, but like, it was just like empty. And it was like this fenced off draining system because it was at the, the base of the hill and we were all on a hill. So at the base of the hill, there was this irrigation system. So we just firing it at midnight into this irrigation system, just like packed apartment complex. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> shooting off guns, just, you know, shooting guns. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was just like, this is, this is ridiculous. This is not who I'm, what, what have I, what have I done? Um, how old, how old are you at this time? Mm, 20, 23, 20, okay. 20, 23, 23. Still wanting to do stand up. Was it still in your mind at the time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you hadn't done it yet. No, I was too busy trying to be a tough guy. Mm-hmm. Too busy overcompensating for not going to war and watching my friends get angry and not knowing how to help them. I'm just mir- mirroring their anger. Uh, just a bunch of just a bunch of shit that I couldn't explain. Mm-hmm. Well, so you seem to have a really good grasp on it. Is this? Have you done therapy? Yeah, you have. <laughs> yeah, it shows. Yeah. Do, uh, they, do they force you to do that? No, moment? that's the and that's the problem. That's the mm-hmm. thing. So it's just these. It's. It's I have I have these overly emotional people in my life, like taking time bombs. Yeah. And it's either you have the emotional capacity to help them and see that there's something off about your friend mm-hmm. or you just go, this is my friend now. I support them no matter what they do. Isn't that an interesting thing? Like you think the tough guy, you know, that gets into all the fights, but they're also the emotional guy. That's getting into all the fights. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, there, there could at any moment a fight could have stopped, and we could have just had a conversation, and there'd have been like this huge emotional breakthrough on my part, where I'm just like, guys, I don't want to be here. I don't understand how this is happening. I don't understand how I'm going. Like, if if I would have never at least had the idea of this is not the direction, and I feel the most uncomfortable, mm-hmm. then I would have never been here right now or a comic. I probably would have been in the system just doing dumb shit and i couldn't even explain it mm-hmm. like i have a joke right now that i say where i'm just like i, I come from a place where you're supposed to say, if there's a saying if you're scared say you're scared mm-hmm. and it's a trap like you're never supposed to say you're scared they ask that question right before something bad's about to happen 
because in, they, in the Marines? No, this is just life. This is just being in the streets. Okay. And, I mean, in the Marines, obviously, they're just like, we're going to go. And I don't need to know if you're scared or not, because I just need you to be here. Be tough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was a there's years of me just being terrified and just not saying I'm scared and just going with the flow and doing dumb shit. Uh, I got arrested. Um, uh, guns like that situation where my friend gets robbed and I put the unregistered gun in my car and I drive to get him loaded. Yeah. Wow. And, and I'm going to get him. And at no point am I going, this is a bad idea. My brain's just going, what's going to happen in the situation? What am I willing to do? What am I not willing to do? Is he okay? This is protection. Some of that is the immature young 20 brain thinking that you're, you're, you're invincible. Oh, and yeah. And I'm young 20. You're already as a teenager, early twenties, you already think you're invisible. And then you're part of this elite fighting force. Right. And then your boy went to war. So he's this badass, and you're just like, Psh, nobody, nobody's really gonna touch us. Right. We're fine. Yeah. I feel like everyone, when they turn 21 or 22, should just get like injured for a little bit you know, just to, like teach <laughs> just some sort of humility. The, yeah brought down to the real world right yeah so uh that and this is this is this is where my life pivots again mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i'm stalling at this job as a government contractor um i decided to get married wow at 22 i decided mm-hmm. to get married uh my the, father passes away this okay. is all this is just one I'm acting out. My father passes away. I meet this woman who I've known for a while. She's amazing. I want to get married. I, I can't keep doing a bunch of dumb shit. You want to turn your life around. I want I, I, I got to change something. Mm-hmm. I got to change something. Uh, so uh, after I get married, um, what, uh, like 20, 23 I get married at 22, like 23, I kick everybody out. Everybody's out of the apartment. She's me and my wife in the apartment. Mm-hmm. She's a Marine. Okay. She's still active duty. Wow. So we went from supreme chaos to married couple. What did she think about all those guys living in there? And the, was there still craziness? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, I mean, she's, she wasn't there for some of it. Like, mm-hmm. she still lived active duty, still lived on base. Okay, right. So she wasn't fully living with me yet. Um, but she was just like, these are, you are the person that I love Mm -hmm. and these are my brothers, my brothers in arms. These are my brothers. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at it from the same aggressive stance that you're looking at it. Right. If we got to, if we got to run up and fight somebody, we got to run up and fight somebody. Mm -hmm. So it's, it was that, that was part of the thing that I I felt like the bond that drew us together because it was a, it was, it was situations where I'm just like. I turn around and look and my immediate thought is protection, protect the woman that I'm, that's my girlfriend. Right. And I turn around and look and remember she's a Marine and she's squared up too. like, which way are they coming from? Mm. And you're like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Back to back with my girlfriend. Yeah. Fighting in the club. This is amazing. Yeah. It's, that's stupid. It's so stupid, but eh, it's the life. I, it's dangerous. The dumb life I lived. Yeah. So when you kicked everyone out and it's just you and your wife living there. Yeah. I mean, you're here in New York and you're not married, right? Uh, so, yeah, we... So, there's something that happened in between this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, grew, we grew apart, man. It's, uh, 
it was it was it was slow we, we were married for nine years oh okay uh and you there's just there was just this whirlwind and once the whirlwind ended uh i stopped drinking um i changed my whole circle mm-hmm. and this was all on my own was the alcohol sir a big part of this oh of course craziness and oh, rage of course. yeah 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 mm-hmm. Drink, fr- drinking a lot yeah Okay. So my friends are my friends are medicating, self medicating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm self medicating with them. Again, mm-hmm. this is camaraderie. I can't let my boys do this by themselves. Right. Uh, so then, like, I was just like, all right, I'm done drinking. So there was like years where I just cut everything off. Like, I new friends, no fast food, no drinking, square, and just like find new things to make you want to have fun. And it was just like I've always wanted to do comedy. And then at 24, mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try it. I'll tell you this, that takes a lot of bravery, you know, to change your whole life around like that. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I was just like, I'm not brave because I didn't do all of these things. And then the overcompensation. And then I was just mm-hmm. like, at no point was I looking like I'm the brave person that I should have been. It was always just like, you're one step away and you just won't do it. Yeah. Too afraid to do it. Uh, so, yeah, changing my life was the best thing. Having those things happen to me mm-hmm. and seeing it early and being able to get out of it because there's so many people who can't get out of it. Uh, my friend who I'm speaking of in the story, I don't think 100% has gotten out of it. And it's, 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 it's too late. Why? Because you, like I said, like you go down a path of like you start getting in trouble and then that trouble starts getting documented then you start getting arrested and then it just hurts your chances at life and a job and right. you don't form the skills that you need to, to be a functioning adult. Right. So you, the skills you do have aren't the ones that you need to, to that hold down the day job. And also if like, if that becomes your norm mm-hmm. to stray away from that and do something else, even if it's normal for society it doesn't feel normal for you yeah it's terrifying yeah it's terrifying it's like really brave to not do your norm mm-hmm. even if your norm is to do something pretty messed up mm-hmm. so uh it was it was a full switch and mm-hmm. it sucked cutting people off but i had to i had to change did, so, you, did you move at that time yeah um i we i started comedy um I was at this job as a contractor, not making what I felt like I should have made, uh, also still barely dedicating myself. Mm-hmm. So I started to dedicate myself to the job and then go, I'm underpaid here. Uh-huh. It, this is immediately I'm like, oh, now that I'm working harder, I'm underpaid here. Right. And I was just like, as a contractor, once this contract ends, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not competitive enough as a contractor to get another job, to get another contract. Mm-hmm. So I got to finish school because the Marine Corps is not going to carry me. So I downgraded my life, moved my wife and I out of the apartment we lived in, registered us both in the school, mm. and I started school and started comedy. What did you go to study? Uh, at the time, it was just like, I don't know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I just know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just know. I just know I need to get these core classes out of the way, right. and then I'll figure it out while I'm here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, halfway through, being getting on stage... I was like, I just want to do, I want to be on the mic. I want to be a radio person. Mm-hmm. And then I, once I started to get into it, I was just like, you don't need school to be a radio person. Right. And then I got an internship earlier. Uh, at like 24, 25, I got an internship. Uh, and at this internship, I found out 
I'd much rather be behind the mic in production studios. Mm-hmm. So then I was just like, that's it. I'll do uh, broadcast and digital media production. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, I also, everything is on the computer. I'll study IT too. Mm-hmm. So uh, I signed up. I, I was just like, I'm going to do broadcast and digital media production with a minor in IT. Let's go. And just dedicated myself to that in comedy. Do you remember your first time on stage doing comedy? <laughs> yeah. My, everyone who knows me from the Marine Corps remembers because they're... There's these things called security briefs. Uh-huh. So it's just like, before you go out, this is, these are the dangers, these are the threats, don't fuck up. Go have a good weekend. Right. So we all are in this big conference room for a security brief. And before like the people in charge got in there, it's just all the Marines. And I was just like, I'm going to get up in front of them and talk trash. And So I, it wasn't like a formal stage? Nope. It was just a bunch of... It's like a, it's like a, like a platform in a conference room, mm-hmm. and, I, and then like maybe 60... Marines. Whoa. And I was just like, guys, guys, listen, guys, are you, are you ready? I just started impersonating, uh, different people who we had in charge. I told dumb jokes off, like off the cuff, just, just riffing. Uh, did, did you, this happen spontaneously? Yeah. I didn't plan it. I was just like, I'm, I'm having such a shitty, I just, I think I had like a shitty day. It's like, I'm having, I'm having such a shitty day and I'm making my friends around me laugh. Right. And I was like, you know what? And I just got up and started doing it. Wow. So, was it creeping in your mind before the days before? Like, I want to do stand up comedy. Nope. It Not, was, it was instant in that moment. I just stood up and just got in front of those people and just started, start telling jokes. And then I was bit by the bug. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, too scared to get on stage after that. Yeah. Well, cause it's different when you're getting on stage and they're announced you, it's like the audience is like, Oh, this mm-hmm. guy thinks he's going to make us laugh. But when you just jump up and do it. Mm-hmm. So this was at 22. This was before I left the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And then there was the, my tough years from mm-hmm. 22 to 24. And then 24, 25 was just like, let's get on stage. And I would take these placebos. Like they had like these breath mints and the breath mint was supposed to be like for stage fright and i got it from this holistic store uh-huh and it was just like take a take a couple of these and for nerves yeah 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 and you won't have stage fright did you know there were placebos yeah yeah which is even crazier i <laughs> i knew they were breath mints but i still was just right. like i gotta have a couple i gotta i gotta take a couple before i get on stage were you still drinking at this point um 24 now okay so when yeah. I, I i i've been doing comedy uh 11 years in september nice and for a majority of my comedy career i had never had a drink mm-hmm. so i never i'd never i didn't know what it was to be drunken on stage or get drunk before or after just placebo breath mints yep for the first <laughs> for, for like the first year <laughs> for the first six months it was placebo breath mints it's just kind of the ritual maybe mm-hmm. and then eventually that stopped and you just you know you just pawn off drink tickets when you get them mm-hmm uh, I, instead of having drinks, I used to have my first open mic that I hosted, which was a brawl in the same neighborhood, that same terrible neighborhood I, I was a thug in. I am now the resident comedian hosting an open mic Nice. and there's still tough guys there and you get heckled and there's all this other shit. It was a wild mic. Mm-hmm. And instead of them paying me in drinks, I was like, can you just at the end of the night, just give me an order of Buffalo wings. Uh-huh. And I was, I was like, I don't drink. So each Thursday I would host this mic and then have buffalo wings while everyone else is drinking and getting drunk and then go home. 
That's kind of more rewarding anyway. Oh, yeah. The buffalo wings were amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, I was just like, give me two orders because they're so cheap. Mm-hmm. These cheap ass buffalo wings. I was like, give me two orders. I'm going to take some home for my wife and we're going to enjoy the spoils of comedy. <laughs> Getting paid from comedy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, that's that was that was a turnaround, man. And I don't think without I, without the Marine Corps, without the people that I met, I probably would not be the person that I am. Mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't be. What brought you to New York City? This is where you go to make it. Mm-hmm. I've so always wanted to come. You're doing it in D.C. for a while. You started in D.C. I was in D.C. for way too long. I was in D.C. for I mean, for six years, almost seven. Doing stand up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Why do you say you're there too long? It's uh, because as a young comic, it would have been easier just to come here and then figure it out and make right. it. But then you have people in your ear, and you're like, "Don't go unless you have a job." Uh, wait until this, and then people fail and then come back, and you mm-hmm. watch, and you're just like, oh, right. I don't know if I'm. And then I'm married, and my wife didn't want to move to New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, like so, when I went back to school at 24, I was looking at like maybe I go to NYU, maybe I'll apply as a Marine and as a government contractor, and I had a security clearance. My resume had been built. They didn't know that I was some terrible person trying to reenact being tough at nighttime. Mm-hmm. So on paper, I was fine again. Right. Uh, I, I, I was colleges that I wanted to go to were just like, yeah, come. So University of Maryland uh, College Park was just like, yeah, we'll have you. Uh, all the colleges that I applied to originally before the Marine Corps were all just like, come back. So your wife did not want to move to New York at all. Was she supportive of your stand up? Mm-hmm. Every show. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, if it wasn't late and she had to go to class or go to work, she was she was at every show. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, I wanted to go to NYU. I wanted to move to New York. And it, at 24, 25, it didn't happen. Uh, and then at 30, I was just like, let's do it. And she was like, no. I was like, come on. She was like, you've, you've known for years I didn't want to do this. And it created a, a different riff. And you just decided you're going different paths. Yeah. Uh, yep. So. Uh, Amicable breakup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We we're still we still talk, we're still friends. So, like Marine Corps birthday was last week. Texted for the Marine Corps birthday, like happy birthday, Marine. Mm-hmm. Reminisce a little bit, you know. So, the relationship's still good. Mm-hmm. No no possibility of reuniting. I, She'd have to move here. I don't think I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. I think I'm a different person now. I'm a completely different person than the person she knew. Right. But you must have grown together during the nine years. You, yeah, you grow. You grow. You're like a. We were because we were like a. We were like a team. Mm-hmm. When I abandoned everyone else, I could seek refuge in our relationship. Yeah, I had a long relationship. Isn't it hard to then do without that and realize you don't have the teammate? Mm-hmm. But in a way, you become your own team. Mm-hmm. That makes you stronger. I. I mean, uh, I went from. I went from. From shy teenager who joined the Marine Corps randomly to a Marine who was ready for war, but avoiding it Mm -hmm. to overcompensating to being a tough guy to being this married man who everyone was just like, I'm envious of your relationship because you guys are like best friends to being a hundred percent alone for the first time in a movie in 2014 and 17 years or yeah. 13 years yeah and especially new york city can make you feel pretty lonely being surrounded by 8 million people <laughs> yeah no that it, like it was it was i was i was around the most people i had ever been around mm-hmm. and i was lonelier than i'd ever been in my whole entire life yeah 
So I, there was, I was like, I got to get to therapy. I got to get to something. I got to talk to somebody immediately. Cause I am, I feel like this was the biggest decision of my life mm-hmm. and I should be happier. I'm miserable. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with my, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm too afraid to go to do things alone. Cause I've always had this person with me. Right. So it's like, go to the movies alone, go to dinner alone, go to a concert alone. Going to things alone seemed unfathomable. I was just like, I, you can't go to things alone. That's kind of one of my favorite things about New York City. It's the best place to do stuff alone. Dude, I went to see Thor last week by myself. Wasn't it Friday. the best? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. I love it. It was amazing. Yeah. But if you would have told me that at 30, yeah. I was just like, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to die. This is, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, this is my first time alone in years. I'm going to die. I had that feeling. I was like, what's the point of doing anything? I have no one to share it with. Mm-hmm. I have no one to tell anybody. I can go to a museum, but who am I going to? There's no point in anything. And then that changes and you realize, oh, it's for me. And then now you thrive on days where you're just like, I haven't talked to anybody all day. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't said a word to another person all day. And I feel great. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why. That's awesome. I think you're super brave. I mean, you went and saw Thor alone. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Yeah, dude. It's it's so that's it's it's crazy. Like all of the things happened and I've been fortunate enough to uh, to to. Like to come out and and be stronger and use them as as life lessons and 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 try to be a better person because there's been multiple times when this could have all gone badly mm-hmm. and I date all of that all of this long talking story to say my stepdad in those lectures it all made sense later and that's where I was just like as a teenager none of it made sense but when things started to get their worst this is when all the lectures came back in. Man, that's awesome. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. What are you reaching in the couch for? <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to see what kind of gun you had. <laughs> see, yeah. Man, thanks so much for telling the story. It's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, doing stand-up comedy is very brave. <laughs> yeah it's it's tough i just perform for babies today so <laughs> literally just babies a bunch of babies nice uh thanks for having me man this was dope this is super dope yeah thanks for doing it i've never told anyone this side of the story either really yeah I got an exclusive. You got it. You got an exclusive. Oh, well, Seton Smith. Shout out Seton Smith. Seton Smith knows this story. And one time he told Mary Lynn Reiskub, uh, and she walked away from me because he, he, he left out a bunch of the parts. and was just like, remember that time you pulled a gun on some people? Uh, <laughs> we were at a comedy party. And she you, heard the bad parts. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, whew, that's, I don't want to be around this guy. Yeah. Man, you do not seem like that person at all. Like anyone listening, if they when they meet you, if they meet you, you're... The person you were describing, I don't see that person at all anymore. Oh, yeah. And no, I'm glad because that wasn't me. I was mm-hmm. I was trying to be something that I wasn't. And I'm so glad I, I don't have to do that. Uh, it's miserable. Mm-hmm. Fitting yourself into a box that you don't want to be in. Oh, it's miserable. Yeah. It could be a, a spiral cycle, too, of just yep. like acting out because you don't feel comfortable trying to figure it out. And then you create that person. And then uh, you have to live in that box. Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. Mm-mm. Therapy, everybody. That the, the moral of the story therapy and soul searching and find yourself and be who you really want to be you heard it here <laughs> thanks man thanks spin your passion into a business of shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout let's hear that one more time 
world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.